The personal stories expressed in this series reflect the true experiences and opinions of the guests and may not represent the official position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, There is hope for the addicted, and this hope comes through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and by humbling oneself before God, pleading to be freed of the bondage of addiction and offering our whole soul to Him in fervent prayer. Priesthood leaders can help as those who have addiction seek counsel from them. Where necessary, they can refer them to qualified licensed counselors and LDS Family Services. The Addiction Recovery Program adapted from the original 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is readily available through LDS Family Services. In this series, you will hear actual meetings discussing each of the gospel principles of addiction recovery and healing. Addiction recovery meetings have strict guidelines of confidentiality and anonymity. These podcasts may seem contradictory to such standards. All the participants in these meetings are active participants in the Addiction Recovery Program and have willingly volunteered to participate. Their experiences are genuine and not fabricated. These recordings were created with the express purpose of providing a way for individuals who are isolated from recovery groups to participate, as well as provide an example to church leaders and members of a typical meeting. Today's meeting will discuss Step 9, Restitution and Reconciliation. Welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meeting. I am Elder Ennis, and I am serving as the missionary group leader this evening. Uh, we have a couple missing faces, but we also have a new face, so we would like to go around the room. We'll begin at my left and would like to introduce ourselves, beginning with Robert. Hi, my name is Robert. I'm an addict. Hi, Robert. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. 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 Hi, Mabra. I'm a recovering addict. Hey, Hi, Hi, I'm Cammie. I'm a recovering addict. Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. My name's Rich, and I'm a child of God. Hey, Rich. Hi, Rich. Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm recovering from an addiction to pornography. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. Hey, Scott. My name is Dub, and I'm a mess. <laughs> My name's Steve, addict, alcoholic. Hi, Steve. My name is Carrie, and um, I have a, a spouse that is, has an addiction to pornography. Hi, Carrie. Beautiful. Thank you. I'd like to remind everybody to turn off their cell phones and pagers. We do not have any announcements for this meeting. So we would like to ask somebody to volunteer for the opening prayer. we happy to. Robert. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful this evening to be assembled to discuss step nine in our addiction recovery program. We are extremely grateful for our blessings and for the beauty of this program and what it has meant to each one of us. We humbly pray that the High Spirit will be with us. We pray for all those who are out there who still suffer, and we pray that they will find their way into these rooms and enjoy the fruits of this program. Please be with us this evening. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.
State. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. As always, we begin our meetings with the church's mission statement for this program, and that is, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meetings assists those who desire to recover from addiction. We also welcome family and friends whose lives may be affected by the addiction of another. We are a group of brothers and sisters who share our experience, faith, and hope as we study and apply the principles of the gospel as they correlate with the 12 steps of recovery. Our meetings provide a safe place for honest sharing because we adhere to the principles of confidentiality and anonymity and we use appropriate language and behavior to invite the Spirit to be with us. As we practice these 12 steps in our lives, we receive power through the Atonement of Jesus Christ to overcome addiction and receive the full blessings of the gospel. Family and friends who practice these same 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. We will now go around the room and read each of the 12 steps found on page Roman numeral number 4. We invite each person who is willing to read one step. It is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. We'll begin here at my left. Step one, admit that you of yourself are powerless to overcome your addictions and that your life has become unmanageable. Step two, come to believe that the power of God can restore you to complete spiritual health. Step three, decide to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Step four, make a searching and fearless written moral inventory of yourself. Step five, admit to yourself, to your Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to proper priesthood authority, and to another person the exact nature of your wrongs. Step six, become entirely ready to have God remove all your character weaknesses. Step seven, humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. Step eight is about seeking forgiveness. Make a written list of all persons we have harmed and become willing to make restitution to them. Step nine, restitution and reconciliation. Wherever possible, make direct restitution to all persons we have harmed. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when you are wrong, promptly admit it. Step 11, seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will and have the power to carry it out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the atonement of Jesus Christ, share this message with others and practice these principles in all you do. Thank you. Each week we focus on a different step. This week, we will read Step 9, starting on page 53, from A Guide to Addiction, Recovery, and Healing. We'll go around the room, and each person who is willing may read one or two paragraphs. You may pass if you prefer to listen. We have an extra copy of the guide for you to use in this meeting in case you do not have one. During the reading, listen for thoughts, feelings, and experiences you have in common with those who have taken these steps. We'll continue with the reading. Restitution and Reconciliation Key Principle, wherever possible, make direct restitution to all persons you have harmed. As we moved on to Step 9, we were ready to seek forgiveness, like the repentant sons of Mosiah who went about zealously striving to repair all the injuries which they had done. We desired to make amends. Still, as we faced Step 9, we knew we could not carry out our desires unless God blessed us with His Spirit. 
We needed courage, good judgment, sensitivity, prudence, and appropriate timing. These were not qualities that most of us possessed at that time. We realized that Step 9 would once more test our willingness to humble ourselves and seek the help and grace of the Lord. Because of our experiences in this challenging process, we offer a few suggestions. It is very important that you are not impulsive or careless as you attempt to make amends. It is equally important that you do not procrastinate making amends. Many recovering individuals have relapsed when they allowed fear to keep them from doing Step 9. Pray for the Lord's guidance and consult with a trusted advisor for help to avoid these pitfalls. Sometimes you may be tempted to avoid meeting with a person on your list. We recommend, however, that you resist this temptation unless, of course, a legal restriction keeps you from meeting with someone. A spirit of humility and a feeling of honesty can repair damaged relationships when you make reasonable efforts to meet in person. Let people know you are approaching them to make amends. Respect their wishes if they indicate they would rather not discuss the matter. If they give you the chance to apologize, be brief and specific about the situation you remember. Details are not necessary. The purpose is not to explain or describe your side of things. The purpose is to admit those wrongs you have committed. Offer an apology and make restitution wherever possible. Do not argue with people or criticize them, even if their response is not favorable or accepting. Approach each person in the spirit of humility, offering reconciliation, never justification. Apologizing for some actions can be particularly challenging. For example, you may have to address matters that could have legal repercussions, such as dishonesty or or serious sexual sin. You may be tempted to overreact or to make excuses and avoid making amends. You should preferably seek ecclesiastical or professional counsel before taking any action in these very serious cases. In other cases, you may have no way of making amends directly. The person may be dead or you may not be able to discover where he or she lives. In such cases, you can still make amends indirectly. You can write the person a letter expressing your regret and desire for reconciliation. Even if the letter cannot be delivered, you can give a gift to the person's favorite charity. You can find someone who reminds you of that person and do something to help him or her. Or you may even, or you may be able to do something to help a member of the family anonymously. There may be times when approaching another person or seeking to provide Restitution is painful for that person or even harmful. If you think that might be the case, discuss the situation with a trusted advisor before proceeding. This part of recovery must never lead to the further harm of others. Also, at times you may have caused harm that is beyond human ability to repair. Elder Neil A. Maxwell spoke of this reality. Sometimes restitution is not possible in real terms such as when one contributed to another's loss of faith or virtue. Instead, a subsequent example of righteousness provides a compensatory form of restitution. From the moment you decide to adopt these true principles as your new way of life, you begin to make amends. 
After making amends for most of your past actions, you may still have one or two people you feel like you cannot face. Do not despair. Many of us dealt with the same reality. We recommend you take your feelings to the Lord in honest prayer. If you still have great fear or anger toward an individual, you probably should postpone meeting with him or her. To overcome negative feelings, you could pray for charity. To, you could pray for charity and to see the person as the Lord sees him or her. You can look for positive reasons why restitution and reconciliation will help. If you do these things and are patient, the Lord can and will in his own way and in his own time give you the ability and miraculous opportunities to be reconciled to everyone on your list. Upon completing step nine to the best of your ability, you have finally done all you can to put yourself in harmony with the commandments of the Lord. You have begun to experience a new life of hope, not in yourself, but in the love of God. You have gone down into the depths of humility and found the Lord waiting to embrace you. You have done all you can to heal relationships and become reconciled to others. You have at least partially entered into his rest. Remaining there has become your greatest desire. You are learning to recognize and follow personal revelation better, which leads you to live in harmony with the teachings of ancient and modern prophets of God. Even in your most difficult moments, you feel a new kind of peace. You have learned to receive the blessing Paul described when he wrote, The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thank you. These 12 steps are a program of action. As we read the section called Action Steps, we learn about recovery and gospel actions we can take to come unto Christ and receive power to live in recovery from addiction. Let's continue with the reading of the Action Steps where we left off. Doug. Action Steps. Love others. Refrain from judging others. Be willing to accept a church calling and to pay tithes and offerings. In the past, if we were rigorously active, we may have been motivated by fear or judgment of God or what others would think. Perhaps we acted out our sense of duty. We acted out in a sense of duty. Today, we recognize that service is a way of coming unto Christ. It is a way of expressing love to God. It expresses a continuing need for his power and gratitude for his divine help. Consider whether our activity in the church is still motivated by fear or duty, or if it is a a natural outgrowth of our reborn faith in Christ. Find ways to serve wherever we are, become worthy and available to serve in church callings or in other ways. As we serve our brothers and sisters and teach them by word and by example, we will share with them his living reality in our life. Be willing to do what is necessary to make amends. In taking step nine, you must... You must avoid becoming discouraged if others do not receive your apologies well or if they do not believe you have really changed. Making amends may take time and patience. Give others time to realize that this time is different. This time you are not making empty promises. 
You are, are, you are living to receive a complete remission of your addiction and character weaknesses. Eventually, abstinence and changed behavior will speak for themselves. Thank you. We will now turn the time over to our facilitator, Robert, to conduct the sharing portion of this meeting. Hi, everybody. My name is Robert, and I'm an addict, addict alcoholic. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. It's good to be with you guys. It's always an honor for me to be among you. Step nine, you know, it just occurs to me, how many times have we been through these steps in our recovery? It's got to be a lot. In 16 years, 16 and a half years of being clean and sober, I, I can't even, I have no idea how many times I've looked at step nine. And uh, still haven't totally completed it. Most of the restitution and reconciliation was relatively easy, and much of it centered around my, my immediate family, my children. Uh, you know, we just do such damage. Um, it's almost, you know, now that we're, we're clean, we, we look back and it's like, good grief. Uh, it was awful. We did some awful things. And we hurt a lot of people. Certainly I did. Uh, the good news is is that my relationships uh, with those children and their spouses and my grandchildren have, have been repaired. And there's a mutual respect uh, with my children. I accept them for who they are unconditionally. And I think they do the same. But there's one... In something like 20 years, actually more than that, that I have not been able to reconcile with. And it may be one of those cases where Elder Maxwell says sometimes restitution is not possible in real terms, such as when one, such as when one contributed to another's loss of faith. And that may be, uh, that may be what happened. And perhaps my only way of of reconciling or Making it right is in the way I live my life. I don't know, because I've sort of ignored this obligation for some period of time. I'm, I've known for a long time that it was going to be extremely difficult. Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure when the time's going to be, and I think I need to do some serious, uh, uh, engage in some serious prayer about it, because it's something that needs to be done. If, if possible, because the harm I caused was substantial and I hope not irreparable. I don't think we need to take full responsibility for everything that subsequent to the, the harm that we inflicted on others. They, they are agents unto themselves and they certainly could make choices, but nonetheless, that's uh, one I'd love to, to do. And I need to find out if it's going to be possible and be patient until it is. It's been a long time. And it's still a very difficult, difficult relationship. But otherwise, it's just a wonder that we lost so much in our addiction and to see it all restored to us. Because everything's been restored to me. Everything that was good that I had lost has been restored. I'm grateful for that. 
And I'm sure that I need the uh, strengthening power of the atonement to do things that I can't do on my own. And I pray for that for myself and for each of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Now, for those of for those of you who joined us late, meaning Lindsay, we welcome you. <laughs> we will now begin the sharing portion of the meeting. Share about your personal recovery experience as it relates to the tools of recovery. This week's step or the step you are currently working on. Please focus on your sharing. Please focus your sharing on the solution rather than the problem. Refrain from mentioning graphic details about the practice of your addiction. Remember, crosstalk, which is interrupting or commenting directly about another participant's remarks, is not appropriate. Also, it is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. That is not true in this group's case. Confidential and anonymity. Foster honesty and make this a safe place to share. Therefore, whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. 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 In keeping with the principle of anonymity, we invite you to introduce yourself by your first name only. We will conclude the sharing portion five or ten minutes before the end of the meeting for final thoughts from Elder Ennis. Time is now yours to share your experience, faith, and hope. We invite you to share for three to five minutes. This time, I will give you a signal if you have used your full time unlike other experiences in this room. Uh, we in this meeting, we will proceed counterclockwise from a person who uh, first volunteers who would like to begin the sharing. I'll start. Thank you, Abra. Uh, I'm Abra. Hi, Abra. Hi, Abra. Um, I'm a recovering addict. Um, step nine for me was really hard um, because I think like most addicts, um, I didn't want to face any of the stuff that I had done. Um, I hurt too many people. I had, um, I was, I think still a little bit ashamed of the things that I had done. And, um, but as I, I really started working step nine, I, I think I got really just into the rhythm of doing it. And, um, you know, I said last week, I you know, I just jumped feet first into step eight. So it took me a little, a bit of time to really get into step nine and, and get working it. And um, like Robert said, you know, I've done this step over and over again uh, in the last few years. And and I thought I was pretty much done. Um, and so when I, a couple of months ago, um, the last time we did step nine, I just I prayed and I said, Heavenly Father, I think I'm done. I don't have anybody else to do. I, I think I'm great. I can just step right, skip right over this step. I think I'm really good. And uh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> um, I uh, just got this really strong feeling that I needed to um, do some uh, some reconciliation and, and repentance with my. Um, with my first husband who was, who was very abusive. And, um, and I just, I I just got up off my knees and I started crying. And my husband says, you know, what's the matter? And I said, I think, you know, I said, I don't want to do this. I don't know why heavenly father would have me do this. You know, after almost 20 years, I'm still just petrified. And I said, which is, I don't know. I, sometimes I think it's just my own fear and, I said, I, I don't know how to find him, and I, you know, I know how, what it says to do in this step, and but I don't want to do it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to. Why would I have to say sorry to him? And 
and I don't want to do it. So for like two weeks, I just, I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And every day when I prayed, I just got the same feeling. Heavenly Father kept telling me, you need to do it. You need to do it. I thought, I am not listening to you. This is my will today. I'm, I'm not listening. And um, as the weeks went on, I just kept getting every day, just every day when I prayed, you need to do this. You need to do this. And so I finally uh, decided that I would do it the Lord's way and not my way which, of course, is what we learn in this program, right, that we have to do it the Lord's way. And um, I said, okay, Heavenly Father, I'm going to do it your way. And and um, so I sat with my husband and my current husband, and I wrote a letter to him and had no way of knowing where he was. Uh, he had gotten out of prison about, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. And um, we wrote a letter well, I wrote it, and he sat there with me because I was a mess. And and um, he says, so what are you going to do with it? And I said, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And and I realized that I had, you know, even though I was the one who was the abusee, I guess. I don't know what you, how you call that. I was the one that was being abused. I still had to make peace with myself. And the only way I could do that was to to write this letter to him and to 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 get that out of me and and once I got it out on on paper I realized that that fear left that fear that I had of him and um I said to my husband I said you know it, it's amazing that right now I have no fear for the first time in 20 years I have no fear of him in 20 years and right then my husband who is much smarter than I am he said, well, don't you think that's what Heavenly Father wanted you to do? I was like, oh, quit. You know, I, today I don't want you to be smarter than me. I just want you to just be quiet and let me talk just for one time. And um, I was so thankful, though, that my Heavenly Father made me learn that because I realized that it is his will, and he understood that for me to really be free of those feelings that I had, I needed to get that out. I needed to, it was the one thing that I had never dealt with in my life. You know, I had gone to therapy and done all that, but I had never really got it out of me. I'd never, you know, and even though it was hard and it took me quite a while to do it, I think that it was something I needed to do. And, you know, so it's like it says in the step, you know, even though, you know, there are people that you feel like you can't face, you have to face them. You have to go on and, and do it and and be prayerful about it. And the Lord will guide you and tell you what you need to do. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful to my Heavenly Father for showing me that it's okay to be scared and it's but he's gonna be there with me and he's gonna he's gonna love me the same either way. And I love this program. I'm so grateful to be here with you tonight. And um I'm so so grateful to be in recovery. And I will leave that with you guys in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict. Hi. I am really grateful to be here tonight. Really grateful to be sober. Um, step nine for me was so hard. I was so scared of step nine. Actually, it wasn't that hard, but I was really, really scared of it. 
Um, but what's cool is that all the preceding steps leading up to it put me in a place where by the time I got to step nine, I was really ready and willing to do as many um, amends and in the Lord's time as I could. Um, my uncle had passed away um, a few years ago. And what had happened is I actually, I saw him a couple weeks right before he died. And he was dying of cancer. And my dad and me went down to, to visit him. And I was high and in my addiction. And I stole a whole bunch of his, you know, his pain medicine. And which I had done numerous times to numerous people. But for some reason, the weight of this specific situation really hung over me. Um, and it was just so hard for me. And I could not get over it, and I could not forgive myself. And part of the reason being is because I really feel like since he passed away, he has been right there with me, fighting this fight, you know, right along with me. And I feel like he has done so much on the other side to help me through this time and to get me into recovery. And I really believe that today. So I had this going on, and I, I didn't really know how I was going to make amends, but I knew I needed to. So I started praying about it and, you know, thinking about how I could do this. And what I decided and what I had come up with is that I was going to write, um, write a letter to him and just apologizing and explaining, you know, what had happened. And I was going to drive down um, to see his wife and his daughter that, was, that were still alive um, and just, you know, have a visit with them and just tell them how much I really love them and try to be there for them because I knew my uncle would really, really love that because um, he loved his family so, so very much. Um, so that's what I did. I drove down um, about four hours away, and I wrote this letter, and I got down on my knees, and I had a prayer, and I knew this is what I needed to do. So I drove to their house, and as I walked in, I had a prayer in my heart, and as my aunt opened the door, I just felt the Spirit so, so strong, and as soon as I saw her, I was just in tears, and I knew that my uncle was right there beside me, and I knew he was so proud of me and that he was, you know, accepting my amends. He was okay. He had already forgiven me, but it's something that I needed to do to do. So I went in the house and I had a visit with my aunt and um with their daughter and it was so awesome and the spirit was so strong the whole time. And we just talked about my uncle and all the great things that he did um and about how we both knew that he was really working super hard on the other side for the whole family, you know. Um, that he was busy, that he was, you know, working all day long in behalf of all of his children and extended family and brothers and sisters. And it was just an awesome experience. Um, and that was one of my first experiences with amends. I still have so many amends that I have to make um, because I feel like I've hurt pretty much everyone that I've come in contact with through my addiction. One thing that I do is um, kind of as a living amends, is that for a long time, towards the end of my addiction, I panhandled and I would beg for money on the side of streets and I would manipulate and lie to people. And um, and this is something I don't really know how to, I don't really know what to do about this. So what I decided to do is when I see somebody homeless on the side of the street, don't give them money. <laughs> but I do, a lot of times I'll go to the, to the store, to Wendy's or McDonald's, and I'll, I'll get a whole meal. And I try to have these ARP books in my car so I can hand out these books. And I hand out a meal. And, you know, and I say a little prayer in my head and ask to bless him and, or her with the same opportunities that I have had. And that's something that I try to do all the time, you know, as much as I can do, because it helps me stay sober today. I have to do that. I have to give back in order for me to, you know, keep going down the path that I'm going down. 
Step nine has given me so much freedom, and it's still scary to me. I still get nervous, and I try to do things on the Lord's time, and I know these steps, you know, they take time. Step nine takes time, and I still have a lot more to go, but I am so grateful for it, and I'm grateful for the freedom that has given me um, and the happiness that I receive from it, and I have a testimony of all of these steps um, and that the Lord lives and that he loves us so much. And I do want to share one last story really quick. I had an experience. I was interning interning today at a drug and alcohol rehab, and a client got kicked out. Um, and I had to take her to the homeless shelter today. Um, and for some reason, I don't know, it just kind of struck me. She was so scared. She was really struggling in the treatment center because she was just stuck. She didn't want to face her pain. You know, she didn't want to deal with that. Um, and that's why she got kicked out. And as we were driving to this homeless shelter, like the closer we got, the more she would express how scared she was. And by the time we were almost there, she was in tears. And I was just looking at her. And I'm like, you know, this is it. This is the pain that you have been right, like running from for, you know, 30 years. You just need to go embrace this and surrender it, you know? And that's what we have to do. And that's what these steps are about is we just have to face that pain and embrace it. And then we get to let go of it and we get to move forward. And I just thought it was so cool. And I am so proud um, of that person today and that she was able to face her pain and her fears. And I say these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve. Hey, Steve. This step uh, is a... a definite inspired step. I, uh, and, uh, and I, and I, I, w- I will demonstrate that from, from a story I'm going to share. Um, I lived, I lived with my parents on and off till the time I was about, uh, 30 years old. And, uh, about, let's see, 18 years of my life, I, I struggled with uh, many sorts of addictions. Um, I was extremely selfish, and and I just trampled over my parents. Um, my dad, let me explain a little bit of his character. He, uh, he would never do anything. He never spanked me as a kid. He never hit me as a, as a man. And he was a big guy. I'm sure if he he wanted to, he could make me listen to him. But but the type of man my dad was is is when I'd be running around in my addiction, he can see he he was able to see it on my face, and he he knew what I was doing. Um, as I was running around, um, even at my worst, when I was on. On heroin with scars up and down my arms, my dad would uh, uh, see me busy, and then he'd step in front of me, <laughs> and he wouldn't move out of my way, and he'd grab me by my shoulders and just stare into my eyes and say, "Son, I love you. I am so proud of you." Even at even at my worst. Uh, you know, for those split moments when my dad would do that, all the darkness and chaos that that surrounded me in my life would dissipate, and he was actually talking to me. He was talking to his son. He wasn't speaking to the drug addict. 
Um, and, and it was that kind of love that uh, ultimately pulled me out of my addiction. Um, when, when I was in Salt Lake County Jail, I, I, was, I had the opportunity to spend seven months there. And, you know, a couple months into that, I was reflecting on how bad I had been treating my dad for so long. And he just took it, and he just loved his son, and that's just all there was to it. So I, I had this very heavy burden uh, weighing on my chest that I, I, I needed to get off. Um, I... I told him sorry so many times that he, he, he wouldn't believe me if I got out of jail and said, Dad, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. He, that, wasn't, that wasn't good enough for me. After I got out of jail, I was able to uh, continue in this program and really, you know, put my shoulder to the plow and, uh, and do the work. I... I Six months went by. My dad, I could see it in his face a lot of the time. He's worried if I was high, but it wasn't like that this time. It was, uh, it was me uh, getting my life together, and he, he saw that and recognized that. Um, just like it says here, it says, In taking step nine, you must, all, you must avoid becoming discouraged. If others do not receive your apologies well, or if they do not believe you have really changed. Making amends may take time and patience. Give others time to realize that this time is different. This time, you are not making empty promises. You are, you are living to receive a complete remission of your addiction and character weaknesses. Eventually, abstinence and changed behavior will speak for themselves. I apologize apologized to my dad almost on a daily basis. And I, I told him how, how much I loved him. And uh, he passed away April 17th of 2010. And the day that he passed away, my mom called me. I came over there. His body was still warm. And I bent over him and I begged him to stay here because I... <laughs> I didn't want to lose that kind of love. Later that day, the next door neighbor of my dad came over and it was after they had moved his body out. He said, you know, I was talking to your dad today and he, he was telling me how proud of you he was. <laughs> that, that was one of the, the last things that my dad was talking about on this earth. I'm so thankful that I, I listened and, and really got with it and worked these steps. Because if I, if I hadn't have done that, I would have some pretty serious regrets right now. I'm, I'm thankful for a father's unconditional love and how he never left his son or, or uh you know, it's, it's just, it's amazing to me. I, I see it in the similitude of the way Heavenly Father really loves us. And it's, it's, it's so unconditional if we would just accept it. Um, I love you guys. Thank you for letting me share tonight. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. My name is Dub. 
I'm a grateful son of God who has multiple allergies. I'm allergic to alcohol, tobacco, drugs, pornography, lust, lying, cheating, stealing, conning, manipulating. And that's enough of my good character, my good characters. (laughs) Step nine. It is absolutely the hardest step because it's personal. Step four and five, we write some notes down and and then we knock on the bishop's door and slide it under and then run. <laughs> That's four and five. And then eight and nine, you you got to go knock on Aunt Betty's door and look her right in the eye. And I've only got one good eye, so i got to make sure which good eye is focused on her. And it used to just worry me sick on what they were going to think of me after I made my heartfelt, pure, repentant, direct demands to them. And then my old Mexican sponsor from AA said, are you kidding me, dude? It don't matter what they think. It is none of your business. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's none of your business whether they accept or reject your amends. You don't ever need to know that. What you need to know is that you're willing to be honest and truthful when you go to ask them for forgiveness. And if they they say that's fine... That'll be a bonus, but about nine out of ten of them will close the door. So that amends is not going to end well. So I learned early not to set myself up for these big tear-jerking victories, that it was going to feel warm and fuzzy all over. With the amount of damage I had done to everybody, including myself, I wasn't going to get good results. I just knew I wasn't. To begin with, I didn't deserve them. I, I, I had to grow a whole lot more. My first amends were pretty pathetic. Uh, now that I'm getting uh, a little bit better at it, I have a little better success with my step nine. And I actually look forward to it because it's kind of a measuring stick to see if I have grown at all since the last step nine. Because nobody can tell us how far or how much we've grown better than ourselves. (laughs) I mean, I wanted my sisters and my brothers and my mom and my grandma the first time I quit smoking and drinking and and went back to church. I, I wanted them all to just gather around and say, wow. You are awesome. Look at you go, Dub. Because I thought it showed that I was trying. And uh, they'd seen that dog and pony show before. So (laughs) So now I just uh, am a little older, a lot older and a little wiser. And I carry with me each day the hope that, that I may serve somebody today 
And that's the only chance I got to get better personally. I have to get outside myself. I say it in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, 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 Love you, Hi, I'm Scott. Hey, Scott. And I am gratefully recovering from an addiction to pornography, and I'm so grateful to be aware of my Father in Heaven's love for me. I haven't, don't feel like I've progressed in real measurable ways with this step. I've got a number of people that are on my list that I've not been able to locate. I guess I haven't gone to all extremes, haven't hired a private detective or various things like that, which I guess I could do, but I, I kind of feel like I, I don't know, kind of coasting on that, I guess, a little bit. Um, and actually just sitting here, I guess that's why we go through step, all the steps all the time and time again is someone else came to my mind that I had missed. So, And I'm sure I can get a hold of that person. So uh, it's good to keep going through them. Um, people that have been primarily my focus as far as my step nine has been my family, my children particularly, and my wife. Um, with my addiction, I was just largely absent, although I was there, and had a lot of expectations which weren't met that they couldn't meet. Even when they tried, I didn't recognize that they were trying to meet them. And thus, I was fairly nagging and picky and not very, not the kind of loving, positive presence that I could and should have been in my home. Uh, I can relate to the effect that it has on a child and how it led to challenges of their own self-esteem and them questioning their faith and losing their faith and still wonder if and when what I'm doing or not doing will lead to their possibly regaining their faith. And I kind of turned that child over to Heavenly Father and just do my best to pass on love. And that's about all I can do there. My biggest burden I feel like I need to address, though, is the injury to my wife. I've, even three, four years into this recovery process, I've, I was still being very defensive when the worries and the guilt and the, or worries and suspicions and things came up for things that I had never done. I would get real defensive and even if I wouldn't say anything, I would just feel really picked on and really blamed falsely and judged incorrectly and all those kind of things. And I really hindered my wife's healing. I'm grateful to finally have been shared a piece of information that really opened my eyes that helped me see what this burden that I had removed from me, where it had landed. And it had crushed her. It had literally changed every relationship she had with her children, with me, of course, with bishops, with family members, friends. Just put her on an island by herself. And whereas I can't undo that damage directly, when it talks about this compensatory example and that kind of healing that I can help 
to happen. That's really where my efforts have been, is to focus my efforts on being patient, trying to be empathetic, and I'm really horrible at showing that. I'm a pretty good listener, but I'm not a very good speaker in those times. I've at least learned to not try to fix her, because I, I broke her. I can't fix her. Um, but she needs to understand that I'm willing to hear her pain. And strangely enough, the more I hear it, the less I hear it. Back when I was unwilling to hear it, boy, I heard it hard and fast, pretty regular. But once I was able to start hearing it and accepting that it was real and justified and I caused a huge part of it, um, she was able to start healing. And I'm so grateful to a Heavenly Father that uh, is patient with me and my learning process and especially that he is able and willing to heal others that I can't really help heal. Um, As I think about going out to reach out to the few people that I have harmed that I still need to contact, and hopefully we'll have that opportunity, uh, I think about the courage that must be necessary to do that. And I, other than my children, that's really all I've reached out to so far and directly talked with. Um been reading a lot about vulnerability and shame and that process lately, and it's just, I just have a real testimony of the importance of doing things that kind of shake me up inside. It's almost as if, if I feel fear, I know that's what I have to do. I mean, I'm not talking jumping off a cliff or something, but if it's related to interpersonal kind of stuff or goals or anything like that, if it's if I'm feeling fear, it's Satan telling me don't do it. And so relating relationships, if I have a fearful thought, I know I've got to go forward. And that it's it's nice to recognize that difference between the promptings of the Spirit and the Satan. I am so grateful to a loving Heavenly Father. I'm grateful for His healing influence. And last thing I want to point out is part of this restitution for me and reconciliation is is making reconciliation for myself, to myself. I've been beating myself up for so many years. Reading recently about labels, even the label of addict. I've struggled with that since I started coming to 12-step meetings. Hi, Scott, I'm an addict. Hi, Scott, I'm, I'm something else. I'm this, I'm that. And, and I'm done giving myself labels. I, I am not an addict. I have an addiction. But I am a son of God. And I am loved by God. And I am so grateful for that knowledge and that testimony. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Scott. You're right on, dude. My name is Rich. Hi, Rich. Hi, Rich. And I'm a child of God. I'm grateful um, to be here tonight. Um, a lot of thoughts going through my mind, uh, a lot of experiences. Um, I just want to start by testifying that step nine and making restitution has been some of the sweetest experiences of my entire life. I have truly felt the atonement of Jesus Christ in those moments when I have stood face to face with people that I have hurt beyond my own understanding and capacity to be healed and to watch as the atonement of Jesus Christ makes 
things that are unfair, fair. Um, I've been uh, very, very blessed to partake in that experience. I, um, I'm very goal-oriented, and so in my uh, step nine in making amends, I actually still have this goal and, and try and complete one of these a month. Um, and I started with some of the harder ones than some of the easier ones, um, but I still try and complete that um, to the best of my ability. Um, some of the things that I've learned in this this process, um, I've learned as a parent. Um, I've learned through the example of a father uh, to my boys. My boys are um, 11 years old and 7 years old. And they will get into arguments with one another and hurt each other's feelings. They'll physically hurt one another. They're, they're boys. They play. And what happens when this gets to a point where it's escalated, I will go and I will stand in their midst. And most often, um, I will ask just one simple question, do you need me to resolve this? Uh, and they know that if I'm asking that question that, it's probably not going to be resolved the way in which they would like it to be resolved. And and so typically, um, they will work things out themselves, regardless of who the offender is and who the one that needs to um, extend forgiveness. And so uh, there's times where I don't have to say a single word. I just have to stand in their presence and look at them like, honestly, are we here again? And... Uh, <laughs> at those moments when I stand there and just look at them, there's this entire process which I can see unfolding in their eyes and their little minds at this, at this, at these young ages. And they'll stand. They'll look at each other. They'll then look at me, like, okay, I know what I need to do. Uh, they'll look back at each other, and then words will be exchanged. But it typically takes both of them being willing to look at me. As their father, like, okay, this is going to happen before they're willing to either ask or extend forgiveness. That taught me a very powerful lesson that the looking to the father um, is required in both cases uh, for the amends to ultimately be taken place, regardless of who it is. Um, was taught a very valuable lesson in just watching those those experiences with my boys, and they've gotten a lot quicker uh, over time. Where there's been experiences where I'll walk into the room in the midst of some argument, and uh, I'll hear, "Will you forgive me?" You know, I'll hear these questions from my boys, and they're still in the midst of you know tears running down their face or um, anger and expressions on their face, but they they're very quick and they're learning very quickly. I hope someday that I too. Um, can recognize that expression. Um, In here it says, uh, in his own way and in his own time, give you the ability and the miraculous opportunities to be reconciled to everyone in your list. Um, I know that there's moments in which my Father in Heaven is standing there just waiting for me to look at him and say, yeah, this is the time for this to happen. This is the time for for this to change. I'm grateful for that experience. I'm grateful for the the sweet and tender mercies that have been experienced 
um, and making amends. I waited quite some time before I started doing this. I think I told Steve earlier that I waited two years of my life being changed before I went out and started to actually ask for forgiveness because I did not, until that moment, believe that the changes in my life were sustainable and real. I did not want to go out and to issue and request forgiveness and try and make amends for for something until I knew that it was real in my life and I had felt the atonement of Jesus Christ take hold. With that, I just want to bear my testimony that the atonement of Jesus Christ makes the unfair fair. It helps people. It has helped me. I've been on both sides of this step. Not only the seeking forgiveness, but the extending and, and giving forgiveness to those that have approached me. I bear my testimony of that and of the atonement of Jesus Christ in my life, and I do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks for My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. Hey, Scott. What's up, hey, Scott? Um, <clears throat> throughout all my years of addiction, probably 10, 15 years, I hurt a lot of people, but the people I hurt the most were my family and particularly my my brother, well, the brother that's just under under me in age, because we had been really close growing up. And uh, at one point, I was living in Vegas, and I had, I had lost everything. Um, it was one of the times I'd lost everything. And due to my addiction to crystal meth, and my brother decided he was going to come save me. And um, <clears throat> so he flew down from Denver to Vegas, and he made me promise to, to come to the airport to pick him up. And so I, I was there. You know, I don't know how I made it, but I was there. And he drove me all the way back to Denver, like with the intentions of getting me into rehab and, you know, getting me the help I needed and, Three, uh, I think it was, I was there for about two weeks, and then just, I, I, one day I just, I got up and I just took off and left and didn't even tell him, you know, and he was really upset because he had so much hopes, like I was starting to sober up, and and then all of a sudden I was just like, you know what, I'm done with this, and I just took off, and, you know, I had my truck, and I went back to, to Vegas and, and back to my addiction, and <laughs> He was really hurt. He, he just, you know, he, at that point, he just stopped talking to me, and he was done. And, um, you know, this was in 2001, and by 2004, I was, we hadn't spoke for a couple of years, and I didn't care because I was using, I only cared about myself. And by 2004, I, I had uh, found myself in the Utah State Prison, and I was starting to sober up in my mind, and I was like, oh, man, I'm starting to feel kind of guilty about these things I've done, and it's, it's particularly my brother because we were, like, best friends. And um, I learned quickly, just like what Rich was saying, is, like, I couldn't just automatically tell people I was sorry. You know, I couldn't just just burst out and say that on the phone or in visits. I, I had to wait years, and it was probably about five years into my sentence when my mom was driving with my brother, and I said, hey, Mom, can I? Uh, I was calling her from prison, and I'm like, can I talk to Carl? And and she says, Carl, Scott wants to talk to you. And he, I heard him say no. 
And I was like, oh, shoot, you know? And then the last year and a half that I was in there, I, just, I started building these resentments. Like, you know, I'm trying to apologize to my brother, and he won't listen. He won't take it. And then I got out. I got paroled out. And, you know, two months, I'm two months out, and he still, in my mind, he still hasn't come to reach out to me. You know, like, now I'm starting to reverse it. Well, I already tried, you know. And, and so this one day I went out, and I was running, this one morning and two months after I was out and and I was just having these bitter feelings in my head and I was like, you know, my brother just, you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't, I was having all these negative thoughts and, and you know, he, he's wrong and all of a sudden the spirit was like, it's not him, it's you. And, and I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, the spirit's like, well, you got to go apologize right, right now. And I was like, it's seven in the morning, you know, like, I'm out running, and, and I realized, you know, his shop opens at 8, and so I just followed the promptings of the Spirit, and I just ran seven miles the other direction, and, and I ended up showing up there right when his shop was opening up, and he was late, and so I was like, well, he's not here, so I'm, I'm going to just head back, and I made it a U-turn, and, and then as I was, I saw this car pull up, and as I was running away, and, and I turned around and looked, he got out, and he looked over, and and I, I just waved to him, you know, and he, he hadn't seen me for seven years, and he was just looking at me, and then I just, I was like, Carl, and I just, oh, you know, and I just started running across the street to him, and he dropped his lunch and his papers in his hand, and he just ran to me, and, and we just, we embraced, and all I could say was I was so choked up, I just could say, I'm so sorry, and he, he was just bawling, and he's like, it's okay. And, you know, from, from, from that experience, I learned that just like Rich was saying, we, we sometimes cannot uh, just jump to that, you know, that stage in life. We have to wait for the opportunity when the time is right. You know, the time was right at that moment, and the Spirit knew it was right. So I either had to do it then or not. And, and ever since then, we've had, like, an amazing relationship, you know, and, and it's just, he's actually sobered up himself in the last, in a year, you know, and I don't know why he has, but he, he's sober himself now, and, and I'm just so, so thankful for this program, and the best way, to, you know, I can't remember who said it, but the best way to do it is to make living amends, and that's all we can do, and say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Scott. Scott. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Scott. My name's Cammy, and I'm a recovering addict. Hey, Cammy. Hey. Um, I don't like step nine. Uh, I'm on step nine right now. Um, like I've said, um, have addiction to my eating disorder and stealing and um, when I first came in with my huge list to the bishop he was like okay you know do you think you can make amends to all these people in two weeks and first he said one week, and 
I was just like, okay. <laughs> and uh, ever since then, it's just been really hard. Because it's such a fearful thing for me. <sighs> um, I've been able to make amends to, I think, uh, three or four people who haven't been too scary, but sometimes I feel really willing to do it. And other times I'm just super scared. I feel like, um, especially just with the nature of the whole thing, you know, stealing, I feel like, you know, I could go to jail. Um, I feel bad that I can't make restitution. I feel really embarrassed. Um, I don't want it to affect my family. Um, I do feel really embarrassed about it, but lately, you know, I have come to accept that. If people judge me for it, um, then I don't really need, you know, they're not friends of mine, and I don't really need them in my life. But it's been really hard. Um, of course, my goal is to go to the temple, and um, since my bishop has advised me to make amends to everybody. Um, if I don't do it, he said I'm not, you know, sustaining him and I can't go. So it's just really tearing me up inside and I just need to, you know, turn it over to my Holy Father. But it's just really hard for me. And uh, I know... Scott always tells me I need to get one day at a time. And um, I know, like, with my addiction, you know, I prayed to my Heavenly Father for help with that. I just need to pray for help, for help and guidance with this. And um, it's just been a big struggle for me in this whole process. And, um, but it does help keep me from um, relapsing in a way. Um, but yeah, I'm really grateful I could be in the meeting t today. I heard really good things to help me with my step nine. And um, I'm just, um, you know... Some days it's just really hard. And, um, but, um, I'm grateful for the atonement. And I know it is possible for me to, to 
to be forgiven. And I say these things in Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks Kelly. Thank you. Hi, I'm Carrie. And Hi, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Through the experience of having a loved one in addiction, I'm finding healing through applying the principles of the 12 steps in my own life personally. And um, this step, step nine, has been a great blessing to me on both aspects of um, what this step um, is meant for. Um, as a wife of... Um, an amazing man who has suffered and battled with an addiction to pornography most of his life, uh, being married almost 20 years now and dealing with um, this addiction um, even before that in our relationship. This step has brought so much hope to me in my life. Being able to have an opportunity to um, forgive and to understand Forgiving in a way that I never could. I'm so grateful because of what I've been able to learn. I'm so grateful for this, the atonement in my life and for the opportunity that I've had to apply this step and to watch someone who I love so deeply overcome something that um, many can't. And, and couldn't without our Savior's help. I know this to be true, and I have a very strong testimony of that. I am so grateful for the aspect that I've had of being able to um, have my sweetheart go through this process of step nine and be able to make restitution with me and in our marriage and in our family because of the behaviors that come with an addiction to pornography. And for the devastation that um, I felt in my life because of those behaviors. And um, I'm so grateful for his willingness and his honesty to apply this attribute or this step in his life so that we could get past and move forward because without it, we couldn't. I could not heal, and I, we wouldn't still be here. We wouldn't have the most amazing, beautiful seven kids in the whole world that we have because of that gift. And I'm so thankful for that in my life. The greatest blessing I have is the healing of the atonement and the opportunity that it's given me to understand the power of forgiveness, not just the power of forgiving. Um, Serving a mission, I thought I understood what the atonement was. Being raised in the gospel, I thought I understood it. But until we had this opportunity to endure um, this particular addiction and the behaviors that came with it and that kind of devastation that it brings upon a marriage and a family. Um, I never could have grown and learned what I've done, what I have. And I'm so grateful for that in my life. It's the greatest blessing that I have in my life because not only am I able to be a better wife and we have a stronger marriage, but now I'm able to be the be- a better mother. I am able to, we have learned things that will take us forever um, all throughout eternity with our children Um, on a higher level than we could have been with knowledge and power against the adversary and against addiction and opened eyes to what this world is offering and how we can help prevent our children from enduring the same addiction throughout the rest of their life and bringing it into a marriage that they don't even realize um, it would be affecting. And for that, I am eternally grateful for. I have personally been healed 
by the atonement of our Savior completely from all pain and all hurt and all memory and did not realize until um, you feel one aspect of it, the spectrum. And as you endure it, you do not realize um, the the true healing power until our Savior grants that unto you. And then you are granted this most incredible gift of happiness and healing and hope that I never dreamed possible just um, as far on the other end of the spectrum. And it is powerful and it's amazing. It's beautiful. And what it's taught me is it's helped me to understand the importance of my seeking forgiveness for others and the power of healing that that helps me to be able to grant others. And forever will I be grateful for that as well. Because I am so imperfect, just because I don't have an addiction that I am coming to this 12-step program for, serving in this program for the last two and a half years, has granted me an opportunity to recognize the, the, the humility and the power of humility and how this program is a cleansing program that is for everybody. It doesn't matter what our struggles are. We all need it. And how grateful I am for that gift because... Um, it is granting me an opportunity to learn more about my Savior and who He is and who He wants me to be. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm grateful because it allows me to become a better wife and a better mother to my kids. And uh, that I am thankful for. <clears throat> and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Carrie. Carrie. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you so much. You guys really are something else. I will miss these meetings. I love you guys. Brother Ennis. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Step nine. I have uh, many, many thoughts and feelings. Uh, uh, Many of your stories, many of the things that you've shared has stirred feelings within me. Uh, I hope that I can get into the spirit and uh, utilize the blessing of the spirit to be able to put together some thoughts and feelings concerning step nine. Uh, For me personally, uh, step nine uh, was an opportunity to um, to do what it says in, in uh, uh, James chapter 2, verse 17, uh, which is the faith scripture. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, it is dead, being alone. Uh, so far up to this particular point in time in my recovery, uh, I've been in prayer, showing my Heavenly Father, my Savior, what I'm feeling inside. Uh, Step nine is my opportunity now to uh, exercise my faith and to go out to those individuals uh, who I have damaged and harmed and uh, do what I need to do to uh, make restitution and reconcile with them. Uh, And it's a daunting task. Within this step, uh, personally, I found that uh, until you're ready to make 
restitution until you're ready to make amends and reconcile. Uh, this is a step that uh, you shouldn't and cannot take until you are ready to take it. Uh, the worst thing that can happen is to go out and be insincere in your attempts to reconcile with someone. It uh, definitely would create uh, much more damage. Uh, my mind is called to uh, an opportunity that I took one evening uh, to go back to an individual's home. Uh, it was a friend of the family. Uh, there were some very mean things said, some very hard things said. Um, and uh, it was at a time where my wife had gone to California with the kids uh, to go visit her sister, and I was left home alone uh, to ponder upon uh, the things that uh, I had chosen to do. And so I went out, and I just had this overwhelming feeling that I needed to go out, and there were certain individuals that I had in mind that I wanted to go make restitution to. This particular individual, as I showed up to uh, her sliding glass door, she was sitting in her kitchen, and uh, she looked up and saw me standing there, and the look that she gave me was just like, oh, no, not you again. Um, and I kind of thumped on my chest and motioned, please let me in. Um which she came over, unlocked the door. I went in and uh, very, very standoffish, uh, didn't, uh, very cold. Uh, there was an immediate wall, immediate front that was put up. And I humbled myself even more, and I just began to express to her uh, my sincere um, my sincere thoughts and feelings on the things that had happened and what I did and had contributed to uh, the destruction of the relationship. Um, and I had prayed before I went in, uh, knowing full well uh, how I was going to be received, and I asked the Lord to please soften her heart. Um, and as I began to explain things and the current condition that I found myself in, uh, had shared her with her that uh, I had an addiction to pornography and that uh, my wife, whom they were very good friends, uh, explained that she had taken the kids and gone down to California to be with her sister. Um, as I began to honestly and sincerely explain things, uh, there was a spirit of softness that came over her. And I could see the Savior softening her heart, and uh, by the time I was finished, it was more of there was a spirit of empathy that I was receiving from her, and she began to apologize for her part of the whole circumstance. And so as we go about and as we uh, do what we need to do and exercise our faith and do the works that we need to concerning these things and seeking restitution and seeking reconciliation. The Lord is there, and He will help you. He will help you as He helped me in giving me the courage to stand tall and uh, also doing what He can do to 
soften the hearts of the individuals that we have devastated and hurt. Uh, That's just one of my experiences that I've had uh, with restitution and reconciliation. Um, There are many others that are much too sacred to share uh, the restitution and reconciliation that I sought out uh, with my sweetheart and my wife. Um, I hold very close and very dear to me because of how precious and how eternal those experiences were, and I choose not to share them. <laughs> but um, there's a couple uh, scriptures that I that I would like to share. Um, one found in Doctrine and Covenants section uh, section eighty four, verse sixty one, and it reads. For I will forgive you of your sins with this commandment, that you remain steadfast in your minds in solemnity and the spirit of prayer in bearing testimony to all the world of those things which are communicated unto you. As addicts, uh, one of the things that I discovered is in making restitution, in seeking reconciliation, As I went about and sought forgiveness and asked for forgiveness and testified of the things that the Lord put into my heart, that promise is so true. He forgave me of my sins. He forgave me of the things that I did. And because I was willing to go into the pain, into the the into the lion's den, if you will. And to face those individuals that I hurt so deeply, I found the Savior in the pain. That's where he was. He was in there, and he was waiting for me. And so with this step, I found that unless I was willing to take the step, there were certain things that the Savior could not do for me until I was willing to step in that realm. Then once I was in that realm, he was able to do for me what I could not do. And he was able to do for others what I could not do for them in softening their heart and helping them. So I testify that his promises are true, that as we humble ourselves and we we seek for forgiveness and he will forgive us as we forgive others and as we seek to be forgiven. Um, Then the, the other scripture is found in Alma chapter 41, speaking of these individuals. Um, this, this is a, uh, chapter on the, the law of restoration. And Alma says in verse seven, speaking of these individuals who repent, these are they that are redeemed of the Lord. Yea, these are they that are taken out, that are delivered from that endless night of darkness. And thus they are, and thus they stand or fall. For behold, they are their own judges, whether to do good or do evil. Now, the decrees of God are unalterable. Therefore, the way is prepared that whosoever will may walk therein and be saved. I testify humbly of the Savior and His love, His ability to not only heal the broken hearts, but His ability to be able to mend the hearts that have been destroyed by us, the individuals who have addiction. I testify, as always, that nobody has gone beyond his reach. Nobody is beyond his love. 
There is a reason that His atonement is referred to as infinite and eternal, because it is infinite and eternal in all directions. So with all my heart, with all the love that I possess, I want to encourage individuals and turn their hearts to the Savior, to look unto Him for deliverance, for redemption, and for liberty. So I testify of Him and His ability to be able to deliver, even from the most deepest of addictions. He can save, He will mend, He will heal, and He will love always. And I testify of that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks, 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 You bet. In closing, please remember that what has been shared here is confidential, and the opinions expressed here are those of the individual who express them and do not necessarily represent LDS Family Services or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We encourage you to purchase a personal copy of the guide for note-taking during the meeting. We also recommend using the study and understanding and action steps sections between meetings to build on what you have heard and experienced in this meeting. Finally and humbly, we thank each of you for your participation. Your presence here demonstrates your humility and faith and inspires hope in everyone attending today. Would someone please volunteer to offer the closing prayer? Our dear, kind, and gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we are so uh, grateful for the opportunity that we have to to come here each week and to, to partake of this wonderful spirit. We're grateful for the opportunities that we have to, to share our stories, and, and we pray that uh, we might be able to say those things that will, will pierce the heart of, of the addicts still suffering, um, for they are our brothers, and, and we look forward to, to fellowship the, them in these rooms. And help us to, to think on the things that have been said in this meeting, that we might uh, be valiant and courageous in our efforts to uh, make amends and restitution to, to everybody we possibly can. And uh, we ask Thee to also let us uh, take a portion of the Spirit to be with us throughout the week, that we might be able to think on it and draw strength from it and uh, bless us in, in our travels, that we might make it to our destinations in safety. And these things we pray and ask humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Find hope and connect with God and others who understand you through the Church's Addiction Recovery Program. Join us at a virtual or in-person support group meeting. Visit addictionrecovery.churchofjesuschrist.org to get started.